Welcome to Full Circle with Circle Capital, where we'll be connecting the dots between the region's huge growth potential and businesses that are also people plus planet friendly. Through these mini series, we'll bring you the insider's view by featuring the unique perspectives of those who are actively building a bridge between impact investing, sustainability, and profit across Southeast Asia. I'm Karina Basraywan, and today we're coming to you from Jakarta, Indonesia, where we'll be exploring how to build a circular economy. And with us today, we have Cynthia Wijaya joining us, who is the Chief Corporate Officer at Daya Salaras Group, a company that has been in the paper and corrugated carton industry for more than 30 years and based in Indonesia. DSG is a sustainable industrial hub linking the industrial loop from waste paper material to corrugated carton packaging through their network of subsidiaries and partners in the waste paper recycling, industrial paper, corrugated carton and logistics sectors hence operating a circular value chain. Cynthia is also steering the group's sustainability department and initiatives. Cynthia is passionate about circular economy and the zero waste movement. She obtained her executive education in circular economy and sustainability strategies from Cambridge University. In addition, she initiated various projects with the informal waste sector, recycling startups, the Indonesian Circular Economy Forum, Ellen MacArthur Foundation Community Network, and many more. Cynthia is also the founder of EcoS, or EcoSolaras, which is a co-working and office space that is operating Indonesia's first climate tech hub and working together with venture builders private, public, and media sectors to promote activation and collaboration in the ASEAN climate tech industry. She is an active member of the ASEAN Youth Fellowship and Business Families Institute of Singapore Management University. Cynthia, thank you so much for joining us today. It's uh, an amazing privilege to have you here with us. Thank you, Karina. Thank you for hosting as well. Of course. Now, kicking off our first question. So the Daya Saladas Group, as we know, is a family business that you have steered into a more sustainable direction. As a young woman who plays multiple roles in the space, what does circular economy mean to you? Would you say that there is only one way to define it? So it's really interesting, right? Because circular economy, the concept itself, has only been uh, much more popular, I would say, in the past three years, basically mm -hmm. uh, during the pandemic. But it's always been there. And the, origin, the original word that, or system that it gets referred to is known as the cradle-to-crater system or life cycle assessment uh, engineering in right. some instances it's called like that too so um, for me to define circular economy and I don't want to get too textbooky you know what I mean right yeah um, but it's really just about a system actually okay it's about this restorative and regenerative system right whereby it's the opposite of like this whole lifestyle and mindset that humanity have been uh, mm -hmm. practicing for the past decades we have been very very used to taking resources, making something out of it, products, yeah. 
And then once we're done using it, we throw it away and it becomes waste. So the circular economy is exactly the opposite of that, whereby the waste gets recycled, repurposed, refurbished or repaired Mm -hmm. and put back into the system to become an input to produce another output, let's say. Right. So... Uh, There's various ways to describe circular economy, but my personal favorite definition is based on the Ellen MacArthur Foundation's uh, definition, Mm -hmm. which is based on three principles. The first is about designing out waste and pollution. Mm -hmm. And number two is to keep the products and materials in use. So you're extending the product's life cycle. And then the third last one is regenerating natural systems where there's zero waste. And that's really where the zero waste concept Mm -hmm. comes uh, is coming from. Because in nature, there is no such thing as waste. Yes. Everything can be used as an input to produce another output. Mm -hmm. And that's really why I like circular economy, I think, because it makes you put on your thinking hats and taps into your resourcefulness a lot, Uh if that makes sense. And creativity as well, actually. I mean, have you always wanted to do this before even? I mean, you took this in in, when you were studying in university. Have you always wanted to do this at a younger age? I think that growing up, um, so it's interesting you ask this question because with sustainability, right? Like there's so many um, similarities to how we grew up, Mm -hmm. the values and the principles that we align ourselves with over the past years. And you kind of manage to sort of like uh, carve something within that sustainability space that is in line with the values that you share and that you hold. So with circular economy, I think that I, I didn't, exactly know that Uh the term was defined as circular economy but ever since i was young and being in the uh being in the family business as well uh waste is something that we've seen and experienced uh, throughout all this time right and working together with the informal waste sector has always been also uh, a part of not just Mm -hmm. the business but the family right so you grew up witnessing all that yes and um so let's talk about going back a little to the roots can you um tell us a little bit about diacelatas and how did it all begin um, how did you get into it from a more uh, I want to get involved in the family business side of things like has it always been your plan to be part of the family business or growing up you because you saw everything and witnessed everything that you thought hey what can I do to actually make this better and and sustainable for the future yeah so two parts right the first um for dia Solaris's journey mm-hmm. itself uh it all started with the first generation so my grandparents both my maternal and paternal grandparents were actually in the industrial paper mill um, businesses okay so my mom and dad were actually competitors funnily <laughs> enough <laughs> romeo and juliet story romeo and juliet situation there <laughs> Um, but the companies never merged. The product of the merger became their four children, <laughs> uh, which is I'm, I'm the second. Uh, so I'm also the eldest daughter. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and in the industrial paper mill industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, typically, you do work together with the waste uh, collectors and aggregators because they're your main suppliers for the waste paper yep. that you use to produce that brown recycled paper. 
So, uh, but that was since the 1960s, mm-hmm. and both uh, maternal and paternal grandparents' paper mills have already closed down. Yeah. So the second generation, uh, Pahendrico, my father, he started Diasolaras in 1993, and he started in the uh, packaging sector, so the corrugated carton packaging mm-hmm. side mm-hmm. first. It's called PT Diachipta Kamasindo, and at that time, so basically what he did was he moved down the supply or the value chain from yeah. paper to packaging, right? Uh, over the years, as Diachipta grew from one plant to two plant and then three plants, mm-hmm. uh, we realized that service and agility were very key factors mm-hmm. to uh, provide for our customers, yeah. especially for our customers who implement a just-in-time inventory system. Right. As a result of that, you know, we decided to acquire our own trucks, our own logistics. And as the years went by, eventually in 2011, we spun off the division to its own company, uh, which is called PT Chiptakrola Salaras. And currently, uh, it serves 75% serving our internal group's operations, but the remainder is actually serving our external or third parties. This was really the start of our waste paper collecting and recycling mm-hmm. initiatives, actually. Because when our trucks deliver the packaging to our customer sites, they will also come back with our customers' waste paper because our customers want mm. us to help them recycle it. Right. And uh, this is really what happened. It, it sort of like carved or opened the pathway to our uh, reverse logistics mm-hmm. or circular route operations. Right. And currently, that's that's uh, that's the case whereby our trucks have this uh, circular pathway yeah. where it collects the waste pay helps to collect the waste paper from uh, businesses informal waste sector as well and then it goes to the paper mills for it to be recycled into industrial paper rolls and then the trucks will pick up the paper rolls to deliver it to our packaging manufacturing companies and then it supplies again to the customers then from the customers locations it brings the uh, customers waste paper back to uh, yeah, to the uh, waste paper right. warehouses and sites for it to be recycled with the industrial paper mm-hmm. mills. So it's really, really about uh, this whole uh, circular route, uh, logis- reverse logistics practice. Reverse logistics. Say. Yeah. But the turning point... Yes. <laughs> the turning point happened during COVID, uh, even though oh. we've done this for a very long time. Yeah. And it's really the initiative of the third generation, I must say. Um, whereby we realized that uh, it's a bit of a there's there were business forces as well actually mm-hmm. so addressing the business forces first uh, during COVID we all knew that supply chain disruption was was a really huge thing right mm-hmm. and you know believe it or not Indonesia still imports waste paper from abroad really yes <laughs> wow I did not know that yeah and everyone thought like this country of more than 270 million yeah. total population mm-hmm. <laughs> would produce enough waste for itself already. Yeah, but the issue has never been about the quantity produced. The issue is the inefficiencies mm-hmm. in the waste collection, management infrastructure systems. Right. So the recovery or recycling rate for uh, waste paper mm-hmm. is still re- considerably low yeah. compared to other countries out there. And also on top of that, we have the issue of waste dumping, where we actually receive waste of other countries. Right. Yeah, especially ever since China closed its doors, so many were 
diverted into Indonesia. Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do have local regulatory standards for like maximum contamination rate and so on, right? But still, uh, we're receiving a lot of waste from other countries as well. And then the question becomes, where do we store it? Yep. Where do we store all of this? Yes, Indonesia is huge. You know? But we're already sort of we have our own stock of waste. Exactly. Yes. Store, yeah. Definitely. Right. Um, and every year, so in 2022, we produce around 19.5 million tons of waste. That's a lot of waste. That is a lot of waste. <laughs> and uh, 11% of that is paper, paper based. Mm-hmm. And so people would typically, because we're unable to, uh, you know, have this proper, more effective system to recycle or even like implement circular economy practices, it ends up in landfills. Right. I don't know if have you ever uh, visited any yes. landfills? Yes. yes. Right. And you've seen the situations Bandar, there. Bandar Gebang. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So these landfills, like people think that you can just dump your waste there and then mm-hmm. that's it, you know, full stop. You don't really think, you think it's it's done, exactly. but you don't really think beyond that. Exactly. Most people, yeah. And like the interesting thing is that because we've been in this industry for so long, we get to see it uh, mm-hmm. from the opposite way, right? right? We see it at the, uh, the post-consumer wastage perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's really where we saw um, the social impacts that moved us during the pandemic was because... These landfills itself are also running out of space. Right. And, you know, recently we've been, I'm sure the news have already covered it a lot about a lot of these spaces have been catching uh, fire hazards, fire calamities happening. Yeah. Um, people actually live within these areas mm-hmm. and uh, children go to school within these areas. Exactly. And whenever like uh, those fire hazards or calamities happen, these people get trapped, houses get burned down. Uh, on the 21st of February every year in Indonesia, mm-hmm. we s- commemorate uh, this thing called Hari Peduli Sampah Nasional. Yeah. All right. And it's because of what happened back then uh, in one of the landfills that managed to... Uh, it, there was a huge landslide that happened and it killed around 157 people. Right. So actually, a lot of people don't... Yeah, don't can't... Are, are, are unable to see beyond. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important for, for you to share this so that we know that there is actually more beyond just throwing your trash. It actually goes somewhere. It ends up somewhere and becomes um, an impact to people as well, depending on what we do with it. Exactly. And it's it's amazing that, that you know, you're doing this and you've sort of um, steered your family business into that direction. Now, speaking of family businesses, more often than not, people still believe that family businesses tend to put more care and focus into, say, money than they do to impact. They believe that those two can't go along hand in hand. But do you believe that more corporates and family businesses should start picking up on a more conscious business model moving forward as more are actually rising up on the horizon? I feel like more people are starting to become more aware. There are, you know, young, um, inspirational kids like you who's really putting an effort into this vision that's saying, hey, we need to take action now to make sure that we can still have time to fix the future. Do you think they can see this also as a way to still make money? Because I know to some degree, to some people, that that is still important. Can say money and impact go hand in hand yes well the answer to that is definitely a yes especially Mm -hmm. right now i think that it's really the right timing 
And um, so sharing a bit about the family business, right, and uh, the personal journey that we go through as mm -hmm. well in Daya Saladas. Uh, for us, sustainability in Daya Saladas is defined as, so the, the words Daya Saladas was actually made uh, by our founder, my yep. father. He calls it Daya Saladas because he believes in the power of balance. Balance in terms of uh, social, mm -hmm. environmental, and economic. These, this is really what sustainability means to us and is the key, uh, what we believe is the key ingredient to build a lasting business. Yep. And when you talk about sustainability and why I think it's actually so inherent with family businesses mm -hmm. is because we're always thinking about long-term value creation. Yeah. We're always thinking about generational succession. Yes. And this is sustainability. You know, how, how do you live or practice actions that can generate better or lasting mm -hmm. positive impacts for future generations? Yeah. Not just within your family, but even the people who work together with you become part of your bigger family. family. Agreed. So it's, it's really um, about the values that you hold as a family and within the family business that gets incorporated into the company culture. Of course, like um, professionally as well, yeah. right? Yeah. That's also very important right there. Mm -hmm. So uh, with DSG, um, the center point of where we decided to spin off our recycling division into its own separate company was because finally we could find, we could hit that equilibrium point where Daur Ulang Salaras, the yeah. subsidiary that manages the waste paper, can generate impact from a social, environmental, and economical sense. Right. So waste is if repurposed, if you can recycle, if you can do something mm -hmm. with it, can actually add additional or generate additional revenue channels. Right. If not that, then you can also see it from a cost-efficient point of view. Yes. There's really a lot of things that can be done uh, within the circular economy space that can generate both tangible and intangible values, mm -hmm. whether it be monetarily yep. or whether it be, you know, other intangible values that's that similar. It's it's like, you know, in the future, we know that this is this is going to stay. It's not just a phase. Yeah. And if we don't do it right right now, there will be a cost of being too late. And that's what exactly. we experienced during the pandemic. That right? was a wake up call, if anything. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, um, it's it's really sustainability is, is similar it, it's not something that's in the future it's no longer a future agenda yeah it's already right here right now mm -hmm. and for people who want to plan for for their business to last to uh, or it's well, many many generations. more sustainable yes exactly <laughs> the term itself is yeah the word itself right? literally means that yeah yeah so um, that's that's my personal take. Mm -hmm. I think that you know a lot of family businesses uh, should be and are in fact open to uh, the sustainability agenda because actually a lot of them have probably been practicing it yeah. for a very long time. It's just the terms and everything that they need to get accustomed with and yeah. so on. It's the same with my family as well. You know, right. before there's the thing called um, sustainability or, or like sorry impact investment, for mm -hmm. instance. Uh, we whenever you invest in new business practices or new sectors yeah. you, know, you incorporate again your values into the sectors that you enter into and you always try to make sure that you know it's not just giving you profitability uh, money but at the expense of the community let's yeah. say right especially for us factories mm -hmm. think that you know when you open a new factory site you're always thinking to provide the local uh, the local communities employment mm -hmm. opportunities how can you engage with these yeah. different stakeholders involved 
involved, etc. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know you mentioned um, community and sustainability. You founded EcoS, or um, also called Eco Salaras, which is a co-working and office space that is operating as the first climate tech hub in Indonesia that brings together venture builders, private, public, and media sectors to promote activation and collaboration in the ASEAN climate tech industry. And I think building a bridge between all those components, venture builders, private, public, and media sectors is so important because it requires that collaboration to really fix the problem. How did you get started with that? What inspired you? Okay, so in 2019, so all my life, I've actually been working in DSG for uh, 10 years now. Wow, and a asked, decade. Yes. Happy <laughs> decade anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> There's really no way out now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, but, you know, uh, just now you asked me as well, right? Like what got me started? Why did I even want to join the family business yes. in the first place? Um, when I was young, like... I think I was 11 or 12. Were you like sort of pushed into it? I know that's kind of um, what, one of the uh, a thing sometimes, you know, yeah. when it's like pretty much by default. I know so many of my friends who sort of go away to study and it's like, hey, when you come back, you got to help make the family business somewhat better. Yeah. And so was that also the same case for you or was it actually you had that spark inside of you that actually pushed you to say, hey, when I come back from studying, I want to be a part of family business. I want to make a difference. Definitely the latter. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it know. was the latter. Uh, and I think it's because, um, you know, like I said, when I was young and I was uh, around 11 or 12 years old, my father, he came back from the factory one day and then we were on this family trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have four siblings, Yeah, <laughs> my older brother and then myself. And I have a huge age gap with my younger siblings, seven and nine years age gap with my younger sister and youngest brother. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so there's a total of four of us. And at that time, when I was 12, I didn't have younger siblings yet. I was the it was youngest. just you and the brother. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Right. And um, so ever since we were young, even even when we were babies, mm-hmm. before we could like, you know, uh, crawl and stuff, we were already brought to the factories. We kind of knew that. But what really uh, kickstarted the whole thinking and desire of joining the family business was when my dad uh, took us on a family trip and he brought like one of those huge paper that mm-hmm. he got from the, his uh, factory I suppose and then he started writing down his uh, 10-year plan for the business right at the same time like he dedicated a section for the family plans as well Mm. and then um, he wrote down a couple of things and then he decided like okay you know what he called uh, Patrick and me my older brother's name is Patrick yeah he gave the marker to us and told us okay why don't you start writing your own dreams as well you know for 10 years in 10 years time Mm -hmm. what do you want to do you know whether it be Mm -hmm. yeah what do you want to achieve it can be anything really you know at the end at the end of the day you have to be flexible for some changes yeah right um but for him he believes that you know a dream is not a dream if it's not shared with your loved ones i really like that <laughs> that's that's, that's what a words said. to live by <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's um yeah that's exactly what he said and i remember it up until now yeah so 
Patrick and myself, we started planning our own things, you know, with our school, especially、mm-hmm. because at that time we weren't even in college yet, right? Yeah.、Uh, what major do we wanted to that we want to explore?、Mm-hmm. And naturally, in the end, I guess like we could we you know we we saw as well like where the business was heading、right. towards and、um, the feeling of like connecting with the people. So DSG has always been fifty percent professionals, fifty percent family. My dad is a firm believer that、uh, for family business. To thrive,、mm-hmm. there needs to be diversity. Yes, <laughs> yes, and it's important to have that neutrality、uh, perspectives、yeah. and opinions as well, right? So we have our、uh, CMO, for instance,、mm-hmm. and CFO who have been with us for these past thirty plus years. Wow, and they're like family. family. Yeah, exactly. So the feeling of wanting to join the family business, the stewardship feeling,、mm-hmm. I would say, came in very naturally for us. Yeah, it's just when I joined the family business at the start,、uh, because my major is in finance and accounting, so I was put in the internal audit first. So、mm-hmm. I went around across the different different factories, implementing and auditing、uh, standard operating procedures, so systems.、Yeah. Then moved to the、um, finance and accounting side, and finally I was able to find、uh, my passion within, or like not necessarily passion per se, but like you, you know, knew where you wanted、yes. to end up and what you wanted to do. Exactly, like where do I belong in this?、Yeah. Yeah, yeah.、Business, What、right? do you want to contribute、exactly. to this family business? Yeah. yeah, and that was sustainability, and that was in 2019.、Okay. And that was circular economy in particular because I love systems. Maybe because my first job、yes. was about that, like you know SOPs, creating them. That stuck with、them. you. That stuck with me. <laughs> yeah, and circular yeah. economy is an industrial system. Yeah, no, it's just a perfect fit.、Um, and I get to like think about how can I add value. So you yeah, know, extra. Like I said, you can you can look at. Both monetary, monetary, tangible value, or the intangible value. Yep, and、um, I think both are equally important. important. I agree. Well,、um, Cynthia, you know, before we wrap up,、uh, I mean, at a young age, you're already driving so much change within the space, and I mean, maybe it seems like、um, you can't see it yet; it's not quite there yet. But I mean, with the passion that you have, it's it's inspiring to see, and I think more people should know about this and should learn. From this,、um, so before we wrap up, what's one thing you'd like to tell people about creating positive change? Oh, <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> your your dad's quote had, had got me having to ask that question. Oh wow! You know, I always say like、uh, it's very important for us human beings to find、um, our purpose、mm-hmm. in this life, right? I'm a firm、yeah. believer that we're not just created to breathe air and <laughs> yeah, and then that's it, you know, and do nothing and、um, have carbon footprints and carbon footprints、yeah. exactly, right? <laughs> yes,、um, we're called to do more. Yeah. And for us who are in this journey of wanting to find out how we can contribute further, you need to also have.、Um, you also need to develop your passion. You know,、mm-hmm. Where is that、uh, specialized、uh, field,、yeah. <laughs> per se? That you can contribute the most in, because even when you talk about sustainability, it's such a huge and wide agenda.、Mm-hmm. There are so many, so many different things. Yes, the SDGs broke it down to seventeen, but even within each of the goals itself,、right. there are so many things. And、um, I don't know about other people, but I find that people who are passionate about sustainability or about anything in life, actually,、mm-hmm. you can also get easily distracted. A lot of noise. Yes. Yeah. 
So um, I would say that it's important for you to find your passion and mm-hmm. uh, carry out that passion of yours with a purpose, but also wisely. That is very important. Wisdom is very important. Yeah, wisdom yeah. and discernment are actually yes. really important and the older you get the more you realize how important it is exactly yeah Yeah. no i mean i agree i think um to drive authentic impact and a positive change requires true passion and that is what you have and thank you so much for sharing that with us cynthia and um yeah that's cynthia wijaya sharing her take on building circular economy This is Full Circle and Circle Capital. I'm Karina Basraywan signing off. Catch you next time.